living life sinning. Good morning. This is the 22nd of April 2020. And uh, until the end of this month, which is the 30th, I think, we're going to continue to give communion. And uh, it has blessed us abundantly, I tell you. Uh, I, I, I feel strength. I feel the anointing of God. I have peace uh, and uh, a lot of joy in my heart. Uh, partaking of communion every single day. And when the hours come, he sat down in the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and said and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, again, God, we come into a time of communion. Your mercy, God, never fails. All my days, Lord, I've been held in your hands. You have secured. You have held me tight. You have helped me to make decisions. You have encouraged me. You have lifted me up. And I know, Lord, that without your guidance and your anointing, there's nothing that I can do but uh, to feel discouraged. But I'm encouraged, Lord. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I am blessed of you, God. I'm, I'm strengthening my faith, God, in this moment of tremendous need in America. Bless the people, God, who today open the door of these rooms, empty rooms, and there's nobody there. Grandfather, grandmother are gone, and uncles, aunts, brothers and sisters are gone. A, a car parked in the parking lot, nobody's going to use it. An empty space on the table during Sunday lunch. So we remember, God, those who are struggling, mourning, suffering this morning. We ask you, God, that you comfort them. Lord, bless them abundantly. Provide their food, their shelter. Comfort their hearts in the midst of so much death. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray for America. We pray for President Trump and all the needs, God, 
Senate, the Congress, every person that works to see and care for the American citizens and those uh, other God that come from other nations, immigrants, God, we pray for all of them, God, this morning, that you comfort them, God. For there's so much going on today in every state of the Union that makes us wonder, God, is this the end of the world? Come, Holy Spirit. Bless our staff, Lord, all the children. Bless those with need, Lord, specifically, God. I pray for the Odeon family, God. Pray for Mark, Mike Reeder and, and Kim and... John Payne and Anita Smith, God. We pray for Anita Smith and Michelle and Mike and Sherry Cunningham and Catherine Cates. Pray for John Consoli. Pray for David Bleakman. I pray, God, for our Bible study crew in Atlanta, every one of them, Lord. We ask you, God, to be with uh, the staff, John and Betty and and uh, Frankie and Cindy, running their sectors, and Kathy, Lord, being with us from Brazil. Father, be with the Brazilian operation, all those people that work there feeding the hungry. At this very minute, God, they're cooking 150 meals. Vegetables, rice, and meat, and bread to share with those that are hungry coming to our door. God, help us to raise money in order to pay for the food for the hungry, God. God, we've been doing this for close to 40 years. Help us to continue so the hungry will eat as a testimony of the presence of Jesus Christ in His powerful Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to take communion now. And as I take this cup and this bread, you do the same.
Oh, thank you, Lord. This morning, I've asked uh, John Dunn, this uh, wonderful, blessing man of God, to come and share with us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rick. It's an honor to be here and share the word. We're in John chapter 7, and... Uh, if you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7, uh, we will continue as uh, Jesus is going to church uh, 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 fruit, right? The uh, Jesus tabernacle. And so, everything Jesus is doing here is in terms of Quick review. You have prophesying, right, which is edify, building, and comforting, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Okay? Then you have uh, prophecy, which is calling things that are not as though they were. Right? Which is the New Testament understanding of prophecy, which is foretelling, whereas the Old Testament understanding is foretelling. In the New Testament, we foretell. In other words, the creative power of the Holy Spirit, okay, which hovered over the waters in Genesis and through the Word God spoke forth out of nothing, the world to be, that power is in us, not meaning that it's of our own will or whatever we want to do. It's, a, it's according to the will of God that we speak forth things that are not yet come to pass as though they already have come to pass and then watch the power of God. And then you have... The office of the prophet. So three pods. Prophesying, prophecy, and the office of a prophet. Now, no doubt Jesus uh, operates in the office of prophet, but He also operates in the ministry of prophecy. And so that's the vein that we're looking at. Okay. So how would I do on the review? <laughs> okay. So, so... The idea is that we would want to be able to do that as well, okay? And so in studying the ministry of Jesus, we learn how he walks in that ministry of prophecy, calling things that are not as though they were, and learn how to do it ourselves. So as Jesus is going up to the Feast of Tabernacles and he says timing is important, as Pastor Rick was teaching us yesterday, and then he goes, he does go, right, after his brothers leave, he goes by himself secretly. And so, uh, in verse 11 of chapter 7, we will pick up, Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? In other words, they're looking for him, just as Jesus knew that they were. They want to know where he is because they want to kill him. And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, He's a good man. Others said, No, but he deceives the people. 
Howbeit no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. In other words, nobody knew what to think of Jesus at this point. It was beyond their ability to understand in their minds. They had no category to put Jesus, right? And so, uh, it's in that atmosphere, it's in that uh, sort of environment that Jesus says in verse 14 that Jesus is going into it. Okay? So then we see, we start to see Jesus go into this environment in verse 14 and begin to teach. So Jesus is going to be teaching, okay, about what He's doing and why He's doing what He's doing. And so we're going to learn some things about what it means to operate in the prophetic. Now, about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knows this man letters, having never learned? In other words, he didn't come, he, he didn't train with us, the religious leaders. He didn't train with us, but he's teaching as if he learned from somebody. Right? Clearly, this guy learned from somebody, but he didn't learn with us. So where, did he, where in the world did he get this information? So Jesus is going to tell him in verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. So there is a statement by Jesus that we must understand if we're going to have any chance of operating in prophetic ministry. And it's this that the teachings or the way that we approach ministry and life is not from a human perspective. It has to be from God. It has to be from God. And the, the, the struggle there was that the way that the religious leaders of the day approached life and religiosity was just through their... Uh, what do you call it, rules made up by men, right? It was all of their mental rationale that just sort of put forth these ideas, these intellectual ideas about what it meant to approach God. And so it was a human approach to God. It was a human approach to uh, trying to reach God, a human approach to religiosity that will never succeed. Will never succeed. So... There are many people who want to be successful in ministry, but they simply can't stop thinking. They, they simply can't stop their minds from just constantly rationalizing everything. And it's impossible to, to operate a prophetic ministry if, if the ministry that you want is dependent on your ability to understand it. Now let me say that again. You will never be successful in prophetic ministry like Jesus if you're depending on your mind, your own intellectual capacity to understand. Because all of us in our minds are so limited. I mean, goodness gracious. I can't even figure out how to work QuickBooks right. It's taken me two days to do one thing, right? I did it though, praise God. I got there by the end of yesterday. And we're gonna we're gonna get there. Me and Cindy are working on it. But that's just limits. I mean, we all have limits on our minds. On our, and so the idea that 
that my ministry is going to be uh, limited by my intellectual capacity is really a sin. That if I don't understand it, then I won't do it. Man, you'll never please God. Never be successful. Let's keep going before I lose track of what I'm doing here. Because this is a shorter teaching. You know, we're, we're doing the prayer time of communion, which, praise God, man, it's been such a blessing. All right, so, so, so that's the one. Is uh, the first one is is the doctrine cannot be of ourselves. That's what Jesus says. My doctrine is not mine, okay, but His who sent me. In other words, it comes from heaven. It's a heavenly doctrine. It's not dependent on my human intellect, okay. So then, verse seventeen, we have another one. If any man will do His will, or chooses to do His will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In other words, the verse 17 moves from uh, the idea of, of intellect to the idea of your will. Okay? Let me say that again. Verse 16 is about the intellect. Where does your doctrine come from? Is it, are you depending on your own brain or are you looking for something from heaven that is outside of your own ability to understand? Okay. So we, then verse 17 moves to your will, the will of the person. Okay. In other words, do you want to do God's will or your own? Which one are you going to choose? Okay. So operating in the prophetic requires that we are willing to do the will of God. In other words, it's not that we're perfect all the time in that, but that we're willing. That's what we want. That, that's our motivator. Not that we always get it right, but th- that our heart's in the right place that whether I get it wrong or right, I, I, was, I was trying to do it right. I want to do the will of God. I, you know, I know that I have all kinds of things that get in the way, and I have you know, my, my own uh, thought processes that just interrupt you know, my ability to hear from God sometimes. I have, you know, physical ailments and I have things that irritate me and, you know, whatever that gets in the way. My humanity, my limits, but, man, I want to do the will of God. Help me, God. Now that, Jesus is saying, if you want to do that, if any man will to do His will, okay? If you're, are you willing to do His will? So he's talking to the will of the person right now. Okay? Doesn't require the person to be morally perfect. That's impossible. So there are many people who like the idea of prophetic ministry, right? Let me say it. Many people who want to have a prophetic ministry, okay, yet they become frustrated, confused, they don't have fruits. And most of the time that's because they come into prophetic ministry with an idea about what it's going to look like and how they are going to accomplish it. And it's really they are imposing their own will upon a concept of, of prophetic ministry. And that's impossible. You'll be frustrated and it won't work. Surrendering to God's will means that we have no agenda of our own. I'm not trying to make myself look good. I'm not trying to please other people. 
I'm not trying to make a lot of money. I'm not trying to have a great reputation. Okay? I want to do God's will. True prophetic ministry makes choices that are contrary to cultural and ethical norms. Let me say that again. <laughs> okay? Because Jesus did this all the time. Alright? True prophetic ministry makes choices that are contrary to cultural and ethical norms. This is not to say that ethics are unimportant or that prophetic ministers are allowed to have zero boundaries. Okay? That's, that's not what I'm saying. Okay? But prophetic ministry will at times go against cultural and ethical norms, okay? Because the, the goal of prophetic ministry is to please or to do the will of God, not to obey all of the cultural standards and society's demands upon you, okay? So if we're locked into the restraints of, of culture and societal expectations, we'll be totally ineffective. In other words, let me ask you a question. Is it ethical, is it socially acceptable to put somebody's head in a toilet and flush when you're praying for them? Probably not. Okay. Was it culturally acceptable to heal a man on the Sabbath and to tell him to carry his mat? No, that's why Jesus got in trouble. But you see, Jesus was trying to tell them that their priorities were wrong. They had created a society... And they have created a culture, a, sub, a religious subculture that closed the door for God to do anything unless it was how they thought it should be done. In other words, God had to obey their ideas or else God wasn't allowed to move. Ooh, that's scary. Now, many of us get there. okay, And many of us have to unlearn a lot of that stuff as we begin to get into this prophetic ministry thing it's a, it's a progressive thing. You grow into it. It doesn't happen overnight, but first you have to be zapped. You've got to get the magnetic field, right? All right. So, um, now, let's move on to the next one because i only got five minutes. So that's, that's, are you willing to do the will of God? Meaning, if you're willing to do the will of God, then you're going to look like a fool sometimes. Because God's will does not bow down to culture. It supersedes. God's will does not bow down to uh, ethical and moral standards that are man-made. God has His own ethical and moral standards that are above any culture, any time. It supersedes culture and time. So it's, it's those moral and ethical th standards that we are asking God to reveal to us so that we can do His will. And that's man, that's that's just a, a hard thing to do sometimes. Okay? But if our heart's in the right place, he'll begin to work with us. That's all he needs, a willing heart. That's what Jesus is saying. If you are willing to do his will, then you'll know the doctrine. In other words, God will reveal to you this heavenly doctrine that I, I've received. And you'll know that it's from God and that I don't speak of myself. He who speaks of himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks his glory, who sent me, him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. In other words, prophetic ministry seeks not your own glory, but to do God's will, and it seeks to minister to others. 
Okay, it's to glorify God by ministering to the needs of others. That's true prophetic ministry. You see, and then and then Jesus um, says there, did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you keep the law? In other words, you're mad at me because I healed a guy on the Sabbath and told him to carry his mat, and you say I broke the law. Well, none of you have kept the law perfectly all your lives anyway, so why are you so mad at me? At least I healed a guy. You didn't do anything when you broke the law, <laughs> you know? At least I got some fruits from me breaking your laws, right? Why do, why do you go about to kill me? So, most prophetic ministries, this is the, the last point that I want to make, most prophetic ministries suffer false accusation at some point. Okay? Well, and that makes sense based on what we just talked about. If, if prophetic ministry requires at some point that we go against the grain of culture and society so that we can get results in people's lives, then we're going to come under accusation. It's false accusation because we are from God and we're trying to stay true to the Word and we're trying to follow in the footsteps of the ministry of Jesus. So we don't, we don't you know, make people mad or, or, or do things... For this, just you know, to be rebellious, it's it's to see fruits come. That's that's why we would you know go against culture. That's why we would go against the expectations that society has upon us as ministers of the gospel. It's because we want to see fruits, not just for the fun of it. But sometimes it is fun. So when you do that, you're going to suffer accusation, but it's false accusation. Because see, they'll be telling you that you're not doing what God would want you to do. But see, they're thinking in terms of, well, if that person was really from God, then they wouldn't do anything that our society says is not okay. They wouldn't do anything to offend us. Oh, there we go. We're getting into the, you know, don't offend anybody, don't say anything, be politically correct and everything. And if you have to go out of your way, I mean, you just have to bow down and, and grovel and say, in no way do I am I trying to offend anybody. You could you could believe anything you want to. I'm just saying that maybe possibly you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, God isn't really okay with homosexuals preaching who aren't repentant of their sins. Well, do I have to apologize for that position? No. Now, am I condemning? Am I judging? No, I'm not taking the place of Christ. I don't know the condition of everybody's heart. I'm not saying that I do, but I am saying that biblically speaking, we at this ministry believe that, that uh, unrepentant homosexuality is an unforgiven sin. Now those who are homosexuals and deal with and, and struggle with that, but they're willing to confess and say, God, I know this is not right, please help me through it, um, and that's a battle you're in, well, that's a different thing. But, un, but to say it's not a sin and it's okay and God likes it, I can't, I can't go with that, and I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to be mean to you, but I'm, just, I'm not going to apologize for that, my position either. You're not apologizing for your position. So I didn't really mean to do that, but anyway. Um, but prophetic ministry will suffer false accusation at some point, but it's okay. It's part of the call. It comes with the territory. So if the, world, if the world's hated Jesus, it's going to hate us. It's going to come against us. It's going to persecute us. Why? Because we're not, we're not making our choices based on uh, what others think we should do, but based on what God thinks we should do. We might get it wrong sometimes, but man, if our heart's in the right place, then God's got something to work with. 
And I can have hopes that I can operate in this prophetic ministry the way that Jesus did. Amen? Well, that brings me to 9.30. Thank you for listening this morning. Hope you got a little nugget or two. You know, if I said anything that wasn't right, then just forget it. Take the meat and throw out the bones, as uh, Pastor Rick says a lot. So, thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Come join us for communion. We'll pray for the nation. We'll pray for our ministry. We'll pray for the needs on our board. And then we'll hear from uh, our dear friend, uh, Reverend Dr. Frank Appel, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Visit www.latterain.com for more teachings. See you next time.